Well, welcome back to a Mind of George episode where I'm not going to hide the guest because he's sitting right in front of me or you're hearing it. So Ryan Mickler's here from Order of Man. Ryan, what did we talk about today? Oh, man, we talked about so much today. We <laughs> talked about cognitive distortions. We talked about planning out your day. We talked about the importance of being true and real with your people and meeting them where they are. I don't even know where to begin because we talked about a ton, but it was we, all good stuff. We did. I took some notes. So I'm going to recap for us. How never giving did I hit, some. Did I hit on, the, did I hit on hit, the right ones? You hit on the right ones, man. Like you totally did. Here's, right. what, here's what I got. How never giving something a chance to win will always lead to failure. Be the best at one thing and be known for this thing. How you should mm. be hyped up about your legacy, not your feelings. Uh, make commitments and not back doors. Ride the roller coaster without getting stuck in the highs or lows. Emotions in business are important as long as you reflect on them. Find the root of the emotion and have healthy relationships with failure. Measure against trends and not trips. Stop making shit up to feel better about failing. Develop the skill of seeing a situation for what it is and not how it makes us feel. The secret to success is make up bullshit that serves you. Find your edge and sharpen it. How finding pockets of humility will create hunger. Who or what do you have on your chicken list and what can you do to start eating chicken for dinner tonight and present yourself as who you are and be willing to meet people where they are? It was way better than I gave you. I that love it. Way better, I... more inclusive list. <laughs> I've learned to write I should have taken notes. So you didn't have to because I did. So we won't talk anymore. Let's cue the intro and let's get you guys into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George show, where I believe it belongs in a straitjacket, so I only share the safe parts with you, because it's just a particular level of crazy, and today I am joined by a man that I would call a friend, but a leader of the free man. Like, I, I don't even know how to do an intro to do it justice, but this has been a long time coming, and I wanted to wait uh, to have him on the show, but the man that I'm about to bring on, a husband, a father building a commune up in the state of Maine, the leader of the free men, an Iraqi war vet, financial advisor to leading men, uh, can do some lobster craw boils, and is the king of consistency, as we'll talk about today, but is somebody that I look up to, somebody that I admire, somebody that I respect, and somebody that really walks the walk and is dedicated to being a lifelong student to growth and the results share and show otherwise. And so I'll give you the accomplishments. He's done over 754 podcasts. He's been at this game forever. I think over 30 million downloads on his podcast, but most importantly, just an amazing human being and gives everything in his way to lead by example and help other people. So Ryan, welcome to the show. What's up, bro? That is the best introduction I have ever heard. So yes, it sounds it sounds way better than I actually am. That's for sure. Yeah, I like. Well, you know, it's funny. Is like I'm like I know you and I know you, and I was like, okay, what do I say? And I was like, I always freestyle my intros, and I was like, all the dope reasons that uh, you're an amazing human being, and I love it, and and somebody that I admire and expect. And so yes, it's Ryan Mickler, order it, order of man, um, seven hundred and like fifty five podcasts now or something, right? Like I knew it was I knew it was over seven hundred. I didn't know exactly, so you probably know better than I do if you checked. But yeah, I did. It's been, 
it's pretty wild, man, to think about where we started six years ago and and uh, pretty humble beginnings. And and but it took off quick. And so to think now about how many people we've impacted and how many men we've helped and saved, it's pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, man, I love it. And and you know, you've been you've been in this game. I think Order of Man, um, you started like Marchish twenty fifteen, like early two thousand fifteen, yep, right? right? And yeah, that's right. Yeah. Before that, you were a financial advisor. But were you on your own as a financial advisor, or were you working for somebody else? Yeah, I started working with somebody else initially in about two thousand six ish, uh, and then uh, I think in two thousand. 10 maybe i started my own registered investment advisory firm so i own that uh and then so yeah i was out on my own by then and i started a podcast called wealth anatomy that was geared towards helping health professionals with their finances so that's where i cut my teeth in the podcasting world i did about 20 25 episodes love the medium of podcasting didn't want to continue to have that conversation and so made a pivot with the podcast and did it for about it seems like I, I did it for about a year and a half before I really was in the position to take the order of man stuff full time and eventually went on to sell my financial planning practice. Got it. Yeah. So I, I was curious to kind of get a timeline. You and I kind of came in because it's funny. 2010 is when I started Civilized Caveman on the return trip from Afghanistan is when I started mm, like yeah. figuring That's out awesome. that I was going to be an internet marketer by accident. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And so one of my favorite questions that I like to ask, and you have a range here, right? Like entrepreneurship has kind of been in your blood. You've been doing it for almost 11 years now. And so I always love this question, like looking back, like looking back at that 10, 11 years, like you've had some experiences, things worked, things didn't work. And, and I don't want to call it a mistake, but typically we find the biggest lessons from mistakes. And so if you think back at like the past decade of entrepreneurship, like what was one of the biggest quote unquote mistakes or learning lessons that you've bumped into that you carry forward today? I think for me, so here's what's interesting about my personality, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs are probably this way as well, mm-hmm. is we get so interested and fascinated in different things, the bright, shiny object thing. So it's like, here's this cool idea. I'm going to do this. And then you kind of do it half-assed uh, because you don't really know how to do it. You haven't given yourself any time in, in the space. And before you give it any legs or allow it to grow any legs, you're moving on to the next thing. And you're like, oh, wait, what, what if I do this now, then it will be better. And for me, I just realized along the path that if I can just get exceptionally good, like the best at one thing, sure, I'll bring other elements into the business, but if I can be the best and be known for this particular thing and just keep my attention on that, uh, that's that's afforded me a lot of success. Now, I experiment and I try different things, but it's always within the vein of that one thing I want to be exceptionally good at. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's something I've noticed too, because I don't remember when we met for the first time, but I've been I've been aware for a long time. And like I look at you as the king of consistency. Right. And and when you say that, what I see is like you're like, this is the one thing and I'm gonna support it. But even if I explore other things and I go have hobbies or I go try ideas, it's after I've earned the right because I'm protecting this one thing. Would that be a, a kind of a fair assumption? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think if if I was to say, you know, what am I really, really good at? It's just being in the game forever, like Mm -hmm. focusing on a singular pursuit and then doing it day in and day out forever. Like, so we've been podcasting, you said what, 750 plus podcasts now. We started in March of 2015. There isn't, I have not missed one single episode, not one. There was one time that I almost missed. This was probably a couple of years ago. 
we release a Friday show. It didn't start that way, but we release a third Friday show each week. Uh, and it seems like I was at, you know where I was? I was at a, uh, a jujitsu camp. It was a week long jujitsu camp. And I thought I had everything lined out for whatever reason. I forgot that Friday show, but I brought all my recording equipment to the camp with me, which again, goes to show you, like I'm focused on this podcasting thing. So I brought it with me and I did a podcast with a buddy of mine at like nine or 10 at night and hit publish before midnight on the thing. Yeah. But I have not missed a single episode in what little over six years now. Yeah. You know, dude, I, I love, I love this. You're going to appreciate this. My wife is like the queen. Like I'm, I give all credit and respect to the queen for holding space to allow me to fill it as a man, uh, you know, because yeah. she's the one in the background with hypnosis and NLP for like 20 years, right? Like I came in mm. this wounded war vet with PTSD and codependent issues, right? And I'm like, save me. You complete me, right? <laughs> like we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're in a different realm now, thank God. But she said Good. this to yeah. me when we met and I never understood it. it. It took me years, but she looked me dead in the eye. She said, commitment isn't feelings. And, mm, you yeah, know, I, point. I got it at the surface, right? Like I got it as the checkbox, like I'm going to do the thing, right? But I realized that what it meant is that there was this entire thread where I would give my word to myself and I would break it over and over and I would modulate based on how I felt. And as Jim Quick says, like I would get results, I'd get pissed about results I didn't have from the work I didn't do. And I love mm. that you're like, yeah, I'm going to bring it with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Like, I'm going to get it done. And I think, like, you even sent an email the other day about doing hard shit. And right. when you're like, I, you look back, you're like, God, like, my ability to endure, I don't even think it's, like, enduring or going. I think it's very clear on, like, what you're doing, right? Like, I'm not building something that's going to last 30 days. Like, I'm not building something that's going to last six months. Like, I'm trying to build something that, like, leaves a legacy, like, that I can build towards every single day. And I, I, well, I like the concept you're talking about with the feeling thing because, yeah. yeah, the work for me at this point is significantly more important than the way I feel about it. Yeah, and and I'm and I'm still pretty hyped up and hopped up on what I'm doing here. I don't imagine that changing anytime soon. But I mean, I'll be honest. There's days where you know, I don't want to do a podcast, or I do a podcast and it flops, uh, or or I have a guest that isn't maybe as dynamic or interesting as I would have hoped, and so I get discouraged and things like that. But that's a feeling and my feelings at this point because of the commitment not only to myself but the commitment i've made to hundreds of thousands of men across the planet is significantly more important than the way i may feel about doing this work in any given moment so yeah i'm lost in it i'm lost in the cause yeah i love it you know you'd probably you know who john donaher is right uh gordon Ryan, guy right yeah he's gordon ryan's coach like he's the guy who runs right. like the donaher Got death it. squad the guy's like Yep. Yep. Low level. Like you're like, you're not human the way his brain works when you hear him talk. Right. Yeah. And I'll send you this video when we're done, but it's actually what you talked about. Like one of the secrets for me, and I love that I can actually talk to you about this and for people to listen is that there's a lot of times that I've realized that like, I am not a great enough being in myself to necessarily hold myself accountable sometimes. Like I need to believe in something greater, like faith in a legacy, faith in a mission, faith in a possibility. And so I tend to create containers that make it so I can't fail. Right. Like when I started the mm -hmm. podcast, yeah, I was like sure. three times a week, like non-negotiable. And like, we did it for the first hundred episodes and we got some adjustments, but I try to create these containers. But what, what happened is Donahue was talking about this thing and, and I would love your thoughts on this human humans, like human beings back in the day, 
it was really easy. We all shared the same common vision, which was survival, right? We, as a species, if you threw a naked human in the middle of the Sahara, we're not on the top of the food chain. Like, no tools, no fire. Like, we're pretty vulnerable, sure, right? And so we come together, we invent tools, industrial revolution, and all of a sudden, we basically guarantee our survival and comfort and climate control, which took away the shared vision of just survival, which meant we had to shift to meaning. We had to shift to creating mm. our own meaning and finding a purpose deeper than, oh, just survival. And what I love about what you did, and, and for anybody listening, I don't do this, but I was interested. I went and listened to Ryan's first episode of the podcast today. So that was March of 2015, so six years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. And knowing you personally and then the business, you're basically Nostradamus. Because what you said in that episode is all true, but you, you said one thing in the episode that really stood out to me because you're like, here's my story. I'm a father of boys. Like I didn't have a good real, male role model. I want to be the man and the father mm -hmm. that I didn't have. And then the next line you said, you said, I'm going to build a community of men that my son can contribute to when I'm done. Oh, see, I don't even remember saying that. That's interesting. And I actually have news on that subject, but, but continue and then I'll tell you a little bit more about it. Hey friends, I'm taking a quick break from this episode to remind you that my team and I have officially decided to do it. To take the leap, to shut down the Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook group, to go even deeper in value, connection, accountability, engagement in our private programs and masterminds. So for those of you in our Facebook group, we'll be officially shutting it down on June 13th. In the meantime, we're celebrating though. My team and I are holding a special bye-bye Facebook promotion, which means hello results in your business, giving you limited access to our Lighthouse Business Accelerator program, LBA for short, if you hear me reference it that way. You'll get two live calls per month with me and my team and our coaches and advisors. You'll get 24-7 community support in our private group, our best training, strategies, tactics, and foundational principles for attracting new customers, keeping those customers longer by developing a world-class customer experience and building a business that supports your dream impact. The program is $297 a month at a three-month minimum commitment. But with the Bye Bye Facebook promotion, you'll get the first month for only $13. And 100% of that will be donated to Operation Underground Railroad to combat human trafficking. This promo will only last until June 13th when we officially shut down the Facebook group. So if you want to jump into my monthly coaching program for just $13 today, go send me a DM on Instagram. You know my Instagram. It's... It's George Bryant, I-T-S-G-E-O-R-G-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T. And yes, the it's is a part of it. Or send me a DM. Send me a DM there that just says, bye-bye Facebook. Give it to me. Bye-bye Facebook. Let's go. Give me something, but let me know it's what you're looking for. Or you can send us an email to georgeb at georgebryant.com, which is my email at the company. I check it. I read it. It's georgeb, G-E-O-R-G-E-B at George bryant.com g-e-o-r-g-e-b as in boy r-y-a-n-t.com so george b at george bryant.com make sure you use the subject line bye bye facebook and then we will send you the link so that's fun kind of recorded my own ad but now let's get back to the episode yeah. And so that's the part that like it made my heart happy and it gave me goosebumps listening to that six years ago knowing the man and the husband, the father you are, but like that cause and that commitment was like, you're like, I'm committed to something greater. Like not, I'm going right. to build this podcast and like, 
I'm going to see how it goes for 30 days or three months or six months. You're like, no, no, this is for my kids. And I'll remember mm-hmm. you did a post like seven months and now it may be even longer where you're like, took X amount of years to get my first hundred thousand. And now we're passing right. 30 million. And so I just think it's a huge, huge point. Like when you talk about it, I don't think it's talked about enough because it's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not popular, right? It's consistency. It's keep your word, yeah. run this commitment. And so as you navigate this, right, you do jujitsu, you're building an amazing canoe with your son, by the way, which I like mind blown. It's so it's cool. Be awesome. Um, can't wait to get this thing out on the lake. Dude, I can't wait to see you floating. Uh, it's, it's dope. And like you, you do this and you know, from the outside, you know, we look at social and we're like, all right, Ryan's going to jiu-jitsu. He's doing the podcast. But I also love that you talked about, like, there's days I record podcasts that flop and they can be discouraging at times. And so what do you do? Like, how do you practice or what is your kind of process around those containers, the, the modulation of those emotions, taking action on them, reflecting on them? Like, what do you kind of do when you hit up against that wall of like, okay, I'm frustrated. That one flopped. I didn't do this, but I'm committed to the bigger vision. Like, what's your practice around that? What do you do? How do you navigate that? Well, you know, you said it really well. You said it's not sexy. It's not It's not the cool thing. It's not, yeah. you know, insta-worthy. And, it, and it's really not, but it, it, here's how I look at myself is, is I don't really consider myself all that special, all that great, all that unique. And every time I say that, people say, well, you know, you're amazing at this and this and this. And I appreciate the compliments and they certainly stroke <laughs> the ego, but really it's just not true. Like I'm not unique. I'm not all that gifted. And, I, and frankly, I don't have the luxury to do anything else, but to be hyper consistent. So I've learned throughout time that I can make up for any deficiencies that I have just by showing up. I mean, I can't tell you how many quote unquote men's movements or podcasts have come and gone in the last six years. And I get messages literally every day from guys who are like, I'm going to start this thing and I'm going to do something similar. And I'm always encouraging of those individuals. But in inside, I know like this is going to be an uphill battle. And I'm always curious if this individual has what it takes. So I made the commitment long ago not to be deterred. Well, I'll say it this way. There's a lot of people, and I think entrepreneurs are like this, and I don't know that I'm inherently like this, but if I am to any degree, uh, I've managed to get some reins on it. But here's what I see entrepreneurs do when it comes to their emotions is it's like this, boom, 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 (laughs) boom, boom, up and down, up and down, up and down. And what I've tried to do is to take a moderate level-headed approach where even I'll give you an example, and I haven't talked about this, but we're in the middle of uh, uh, the final details on a, a new book deal, mm-hmm. and and I got some great news about the book deal uh, yesterday or the day before, and I told my wife, and she's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I feel good, and she's like, you should be way more excited about it. I said, no, 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 no. Like, I, I'm trying not to be overly excited about it. I want to be even keel. I want to be level-headed, so I don't like the roller coaster that I naturally feel. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that. They get so high and they get so low. And I'm trying to take a little bit off the top, a little bit off the bottom and just be so focused on what's next. What do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? But I mean, more specifically to answer your question, I I'm I'm a very systematic person. So when I have something that I need to implement or, or, or take care of, I'll put a system to it so that I can quantify it, measure it, uh, and then improve upon it. So when I was in the financial planning practice, I had this advisor who said, 
you know, Brian, I want you to do it like this. I want you to speak like this. I want you to use these words. I want you to say these things. And I was really hesitant about that at first because I wanted to buck the system and be the rebel and do it my own way. And he said something very interesting. He said, Ryan, you're, you're talented enough that if you do it your own way, you'll probably have some success. But the problem is you won't know how to replicate it. And that's what you need to figure out. You need to implement a system for communicating with prospects and clients that will replicate the results over and over and over again. And now after six years of doing that in podcasting, in creating our, our digital brotherhood, uh, we've created some systems that I, it's like going over to the sink and turning the faucet on. It's like, just turn that on. Oh, there you go. Oh, I need to slow it down or turn it off or make it hotter or colder. I can do that because I know what the system actually is. Mm. I love that so much. So my next question would be like, you've, you've evolved as this movement has started. Right. But what I love that I hear you saying is like what you're measuring against is the inputs, not the outcome. Right. It's like this delayed gratification where here's my system, right? I'm going to work on my family today. I'm going to work on my critical tasks today. I'm going to work on my, you know, fitness today. I'm going to work on my parenting today. And then you own and control the input which gives you the best chance over a sustained period of time of getting that successful result. And I, I mean, I, it's simple, George, really. Yeah. Here's, here's the bottom line. Do what's right and <laughs> let the consequences follow. And people say, well, you know, what's right? No, you know, you know, like everybody knows what's right. And there's certain ways that you can adjust and tweak and make more efficient. You should be looking at those things, but like, it's no surprise to me that we've had so much success with the podcast. And I don't say that arrogantly. I say it because what else could happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, we've been doing it for so long. I've yeah. been improving along the way. We've been securing great guests. Like, of course, this is the natural outcome. Like, it's not any surprise that this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, no I, like, I, I love it. Like, you know, it's taken me like it's like this isn't a young game, right? We were all in the military a long time ago. Like I got joined in like 2002, right? Like I've been playing this leadership game for like 19 years now, 20 years. Like I'd be retired already. And like I look at it, but every time it always comes back to the same thing for me. Like I say this and I say this all the time. Success is boring and it can be scheduled because like you just said, you're like, do what's right. And then the consequences come. You're like, hey, good guest consistency going to improve every single time and I'm going to do it over a sustained period of time and then I'm going to get a result and I think that that's the most beautiful part about all of it but I I got it like I don't go out on like rants much like I I make my content and stuff but I'm like my dad said it the best he's like the chrome won't get you home he's like you need an Mm. engine that can run and I'm like that in entrepreneurship and so what you were talking about earlier with like the roller coaster right like how do you you don't want to ride the highs, right? And you don't want to like be in the lows. Like you want to take parts of it and then kind of be even keeled. Like how have you practiced that? And and I call that capacity, like range, right? Stillness practices, alone practices. But like, what does that look like for you over the years to be able to refine that, to kind of be unattached to the necessarily of the ride, but to more so the outcome? So the ride, the ride is emotional and it's emotion based. So the highs and the lows are all based off of emotion. So uh, if you're on a high, for example, you're excited, you're energetic, you're passionate, you're hopeful, and those are all fine, but they're emotional. And when you're down, it's, you know, I'm depressed and I'm sad or things didn't work out. And so I've 
miss some expectations. Again, emotions. And, and I think emotions are important as long as we're willing to understand and reflect upon them. Mm. Yeah, the way that I look at emotions, for example, is if you look at the dashboard on your car, you're driving down the road and you've got your speedometer, you've got your odometer, you've got your fuel gauge, you've got uh, your, your oil pressure, oil temperature, you've got it all, right? And, and you're going to look at that dashboard. Well, the dashboard is telling you what's going on underneath the hood. If the check engine light comes on, you're not going to throw a temper tantrum and be pissed off. Like you're going to pull over and you're going to go to the mechanic and say, Hey, what's going on in my car? And he'll diagnose it and then he'll fix it. Or if the fuel level light comes on, you're not going to be all pissed out of shape and go ram somebody in, in the road. You're going to pull into the gas station, put gas in the vehicle and then get back on and back on with your life. So the way that I've tempered my emotions is rather than be so emotional as like the result, is to think about what I'm trying to learn or what lesson needs to be learned from that. So for example, if I have a book deal that's gonna take place and close and I'm really excited about that, well, figure out why I'm excited so I can go ahead and replicate the result or use it as fuel to pour into my next thing. Cause this is only gonna be temporary, yeah. right? And it's the same thing with uh, you know a podcast that flopped. Uh, does that mean it's over? No, it just means like you should actually feel bad about that. If you don't feel bad about a podcasting flopping, I got to wonder if you're actually really all that interested in, in growing and getting better. <laughs> so I get pissed off, but being pissed off is not the end result in and of itself. It's like, okay, what can I learn from this? Oh, your title was wrong. Your guest wasn't, didn't resonate with your audience. Your thumbnail looked like crap. Your intro was bad, whatever, whatever it could be. And then the other thing I tend to do is I look at trends. So I'll never look at a one-off and say, hey, this podcast flopped. I'm a loser. No, it's like, hold up a second. Let's wait a couple of weeks. And then what you see is something dips for whatever reason. And then you wait a couple of weeks and it goes back up and all is fine. Now, if you're trending downward, okay, there's something that definitely needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But don't look at one-time situations like a book deal or a podcast flop as the destination or the end in and of itself. Now we're going to look for trends and we're going to keep marching, marching, marching until we achieve that ultimate success we're after. Dude, I, I, I love that. I can, I can correlate my success today with my ability to develop a healthy relationship with what you just said, like really mm -hmm. having patience and it, it still comes up. And I don't know if you're like this too. Uh, it still comes up with me, right? Like built multiple seven, eight figure companies, right? Had a New York times bestseller, had an app and my previous performance doesn't carry into my future. Like if I go write another book, there's no guarantee that thing's going right. to sell as many copies or be a New York times bestseller. And so that's been something that I've really been, and I'm such a marketer. You said that, and it's such a good quote. I wrote measure against trends and not trips. I love it. I'm going to turn that mm. into like a good takeaway. Yeah. But I, I think it's really, really important. And one thing you said that I really want to call out and give credit to, and I would love your thoughts on one thing that you've helped me with a ton and just even reading your captions and you can tell when they hit me because I comment when they hit me like that's me. I'm like, oh, yep, got a comment yeah. on this one. Like that one hit the yeah. hit the thread is is I love your level of integrity with self, but you collapse a lot of dissonance for me. Uh, and I love that you talk about the relationship to quote unquote failure and resistance. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like 
we live in this society where it's like, hey, don't feel the feeling. Go distract yourself again. Go scroll through social media. Right. Go look for, quote, more, quote, unquote, inspiration, right? And it's like, no, I'm just right. addicted to a new distraction or a new drug. And your ability to really kind of be sovereign and own the, like, no, like, you, it was, the, it was about the canoe, the one that I saw in the comments. I was reading the comments one day. And you're like, if it doesn't float, I failed, basically. And I'm right. paraphrasing. And someone was like, no, you didn't. It's a lesson for you and your kid. And it's a bonding moment. You're like, I got that that's your interpretation. But my mission is to build a canoe that floats. And so if it doesn't right. work, then I failed. Right. And like the, all the male Karens came out. Right. Like they were like, no, 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 no. But I love that, though, because it's not an emotional thing for you. It's not a bad thing. It's not a failure. Like, no, if it doesn't float, I'm going to look at it and be like, why the F doesn't it float? And then I'm going to go exactly. build another one. And exactly. Have, have you, it's funny because yeah, we ahead. in society make – well, we, just, we make up these weird – it's just a weird phenomenon. It's a feel-good society that we live in. It's a feel-good phenomenon where we, like, make shit up to feel better about failure. Like, we'll say failure is first attempt in learning or – false evidence appearing real is fear. And like, it's like, <laughs> no, like there's actually things that you should be afraid of. You know, like if I'm out on a hunt and I come within 20 yards of a, of a grizzly bear, that's not false evidence appearing real. Like that's a real threat and I could die. It first attempt in learning. Look, I'm not, I don't set out to do things to like, I didn't set out to do a podcast to learn how to do a podcast. That's a crucial component of having a, success, a successful podcast, mm -hmm. but I set out to impact people's lives. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not doing that, that's failing. Yeah, Sure, I can learn my lessons, I can get better, but I don't feel bad about failing. You know, so many people have just an unhealthy relationship with, with fear and failing that they make up little stories in their mind about, how they're better than they really are. And, oh, you didn't fail. You learned. No, you failed. And also you can learn, but like, you can do both. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, the other thing people said about the canoe was like, well, yeah, but you know, you have all that spending time with your son. Yes, that is important. It's another issue. It's not the issue I'm talking about right now. Yeah. It's, it, we live in just this like society where it's so like binary, where it's either this or this, you either failed or you no like, multiple things can exist at once i can fail and still appreciate the time i had with my kid and still learn but i think we really need to do a better job just culturally and societally using words for their intended purpose and then trying to find the lesson in those words and not change the meaning of it but change the way that we perceive it or our relationship with it yeah, I, I, I'm huge because like when you and I saw all those comments and I was like, yeah, and like I'm like, wow, that's an interesting perspective. And, and I see this all the time. And, and it was it was the same for me. And I don't know if you <clears throat> when you got into this, right, like is that a skill set that you've developed like kind of over time? Were you like that in the army and in the financial world? And then like you kind of honed it when you came into, you know, like, quote unquote, entrepreneurship order of man or have you did you catch in the beginning? Like for me in the beginning, like. Uh, the the reason I walked away from companies, I had all these millions of followers and I was addicted to social media. Like I was mm. a part of the game. Right. And I had right. no, no function, no self identity, no anything without that dopamine hit. And so it was black or white and it was collapsed thinking into this like feel good. 
and I had to take three years off. Like, I mean, you know some of this, but I just disappeared. I, yeah. I deleted social media. I changed my email. I changed my phone number. And I was like, yep, I'm dead. Like, I'm gone. I'm like, you know, disappeared into the world somewhere. Uh, but it kind of took that experience for me. And I think there's a lot of people that run up against this. And I don't – I believe we're all responsible a thousand percent for our sovereignty and our self-awareness and our growth. But like just the entrepreneurial paradigm is riddled with this. Like it's 99% of the game is like, oh, it's not that bad. And you learn something and you're boom. And like, oh, just raise more money and like keep running at a loss. And like there's all this dissonance that has to be collapsed for people. And so what does that like look like? You coach a lot of men. You help a lot of people. You help a lot of entrepreneurs. Is there anything like tangibly or tactically that you've done? And, And I don't normally ask this question, but I think it's a really prevalent conversation to really have a healthy relationship with that failure to to really be in like here that check engine lights on or hey it didn't float like you talk about it so effortlessly right but it took me like 15 years to get there (laughs) and so i mean i've always been a pretty realistic person i mean that is one of one of the advantages i have is that i can see a situation or a set of circumstances and cut through a lot of the BS and call it like it really is and not really attach so much meaning to it. Here's the interesting thing that I talk with guys about is that everything that we see and experience, whether it's listening to this podcast or watching a TV show or a movie or a conversation interaction or some interpretation of something we see in the news or on social media is all bullshit. All of it. It's all, it's all fake. Okay, what you're doing is you're connecting the dots that maybe don't connect, that maybe aren't there. We're lo- I learned this in the financial planning field. We as human beings are constantly looking for patterns that don't actually exist. <laughs> and we're trying to formulate all of these little different connections. Uh, and, and they just, you're, you're making up stories, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing about this. If we know that everything about our life and everything about the way we see the world is bullshit, then you might as well make up some bullshit that's going to serve you. Yes. That's how I look at it. Yes. Let, 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 me give you a, let me give you a small example. Okay, so let's say I reach out to somebody that I want to have on the podcast. Let's say I reach out to uh, Jordan Peterson, for example. Yep. We'll use him. I reach out to Jordan Peterson, and uh, my team reaches out to his team, or I reach out to him, or whatever, okay? And I don't hear back. I can interpret that in, in a lot of different ways. Okay. One way is that he's a dick and he's an asshole. He's ignoring me. He hates me. He doesn't like what we're doing. Like I could interpret it that way. Or I could interpret it that he never even saw my message because he's got gatekeepers and he's busy and everything else. Or I can interpret it as maybe he saw it and it's not that he's opposed to what we're doing, but the timing's off. Or I could think that well, maybe I just need to do a better job at this. There's a lot of different things this could mean. Mm-hmm. And we have these uh, uh, these things that we use. It's called cognitive distortions. Mm-hmm. And so what we do as human beings is we take a circumstance and that, that poses a little bit of threat or fear or intimidation or anger or any of these emotions, and we interpret it under the worst set of circumstances it could possibly be. And usually it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Again, it's all bullshit. So why not just say, hey, you know what? The reason that Jordan Peterson didn't get back with me is not because he hates my guts. I mean, he doesn't even know me. It's probably just because he either A, didn't see it, or I didn't do a good enough job communicating it. So let me put it back on my shoulders instead of putting it on his shoulders because it doesn't belong on his shoulders. 
and let me think about a better way I can do this. How can I approach him differently that will yield and produce a different result? So again, let me encapsulate that. If you're going to make it up, and you are, you're making up everything, even the words I'm saying right now are meaning something to you, and it's bullshit because you're filtering it through your own experience, culture, beliefs, religion, background, etc., then just make up something that's going to serve you. That's it. Just make up something that's going to serve you. So if you say, well, you know, I'm fat because my parents are fat and genetics, okay, that doesn't serve you. But if you say, hey, I'm fat because I eat too many uh, double whoppers, okay, well, that's, that could actually serve you. So what are you going to do instead? Well, I'm not going to eat fast food anymore. Great. Now you're served. Same set of circumstances. Neither one is right or wrong. We don't know. There's not enough information. But at least this path is going to serve you correctly. Dude, I, I, you just encapsulated things that I take hours to explain sometimes, but I love it because, you know, I call it, and I think it's so good, the, the distortions is that we'll look for evidence collection just to stay stuck, right? Like, of course. To validate the narrative that right. we've created. And then you get to keep it, right? You get to keep it. You're like, okay, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for this concept that the reason I'm fat is because my parents are fat or I'm quote unquote big boned and it's in my genetics. Uh, it's in my DNA. Cool. Cool story. You get to keep that story. So I hope, I hope you're okay with it. Cause that's, that's the story you told and that's the ending it's going to produce for you. Uh, yeah. Like two things and I got to, I'm going to give ample credit cause you know, I'll give Jim and Jocko both like Jim quick, your friend of mine. I'll never forget. Like when Jim and I became friends, I've known Jim for maybe 10 years now, but he said something like nine years ago when I was in like the thrux of my like discomfort, like PTSD, opiate addiction, like boohoo me, the world happened, right? Blah, blah, blah. And I was so addicted to my made up story that like mm -hmm. it was my badge of honor. Like I can't listen to podcasts I did 10 years ago, eight years ago, because all the intros of a thousand of them are the same. I was sexually abused. I was, it was like my story was a manipulation tool, right? And he looked at me dead in the eye and he didn't say this to an audience. He didn't say this to a speech. He looked me dead in the eye and he's like, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And, totally. I, and I was like, ouch, like, ouch. Mm -hmm. And that was part one. And then part two, when you said with the Jordan Peterson example, which I love, is you're eliminating any evidence to not take another action by taking exactly. ownership of it, right? And stagnation is the guaranteed path to failure, right? It's just staying stuck and doing nothing. And I think they work together. And so like, you know, Jocko's book, like Extreme Ownership, like looking at it from a place of, wow, I'm making up this story, not really true. I don't have evidence. I can choose which side the evidence points to. It either points to, hey, he didn't read this. How can I reinvent myself to get his attention and go again? Or he didn't, I'm a failure, and now I'm just going to stay stuck and I think they're both <laughs> just absolute massive, but it even comes back to this thread of like the way that I look at it now, and it's very different for me now that success is inevitable as long as I take intentional, clear action every single day, regardless of how I feel. And I think one of the biggest problems that that belief, that encapsulation dissolves for people is the fact that most of the narratives are bullshit. 80% of our brain is made up. It, it's made up for survival. So spot on. And then if you're going to have an interpretation, have an empowering one that gets you to stay in momentum and stay in action and not stagnation. Because right. like really at the That's end right. of the day, like your podcast, right? Like you've made adjustments. You've never missed an episode. You're like, I'll do better guests. I'll ask better questions. I'll do boom. Like 
you know, I'm sure you've learned stuff with the apparel, with the journals, like with everything that you have and just iterate and iterate and iterate. And so I'm summarizing my own words because I just think it's such an important concept. And the hardest part for me now is like being successful as a coach and a consultant and running masterminds. Everyone's like, what am I paying you for now? I'm like, honestly, accountability and simplicity. I'm like, Mm -hmm. if if I'm being really frank with you, I was like, I could give you 8 million tools, but the common denominator is the person who holds the tool. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing that really matters. Well, we did the same thing in coaching. So uh, in my financial planning practice, okay. uh, we, we coached a lot of individuals with their with their investments and they would say similar things. You know, we'd teach them all these strategies and concepts of, around investing in the market and money principles, et cetera, et cetera. And then they would learn all this stuff and they'd say, well, what am I, what am I paying you for? And I said, you're paying me to check your emotions because you're emotional. So you're going to, especially in the market, highs, lows, mm-hmm. ups and downs, like I was talking about with this entrepreneurial attitude earlier. At this point, it's for me to say, stop, don't do that. Look, I'm not emotionally attached to your decisions. You are for sure. But you have that baggage that you're looking looking through and caring. I don't have your baggage. And so I can say the things that need to be said. And by the way, I, I have my own baggage and I need somebody else to, to, to clear me of my baggage too. So it's very, very important that we have somebody in our corner who will say things that need to be said and give you an unfiltered raw reality because you can't see the reality of it. You're making it up along the way. And a lot of times it's just not serving. Dude, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think it's so huge. And I think and this is, this is a thread. There's two parts. So the part one for me where like, you know, fighting for your limitations to getting to keep them and then being responsible, quote unquote, right? Well, <clears throat> let me phrase that. I can't fucking stand when people say I'm taking responsibility. I'm like, you've had it the whole time. Like you didn't get to let it go. Like, I'm glad that you're owning that you've had it. I was like, but that language pattern is the one that gets me like, well, I'm taking responsibility. I'm like, you were responsible the whole time. You can't take it back. Oh, it, it, That one was grilled into me. I never my, thought about it like that, but that's a good point. Yeah. Like it's from the NLP world for my wife. Cause she's like, I would say that I'm like, okay, I'm taking responsibility. She's like, take it. You never not had it. What do you think you're advocated from your own choices? No, you've been responsible. Yeah, oh, stop crying. And I was like, ow, babe, I love you. I love you. <laughs> but funny. here's what's that's interesting. It, it really, really is. I've never talked about this publicly, but I think it's so valid. The whole point where you were talking about cognitive distortions, right? We'll make up these realities. I realized that I got to a point I had done my trauma work. Like I'd been through the shadows. I knew where it came from and I had this level of awareness. There wasn't any more quote unquote work to be done. And I didn't have an identity outside of the person that didn't have the pain and trauma. And so the distortion I collected was evidence for me to stay stuck because I didn't have the self-confidence to choose a path. My whole life mm. was built around being broken or a Marine or coming from poverty or winning that war or walking out of a wheelchair. Time. Like I was my story. And so when it all collapsed for me, what the hardest part for me was is like I didn't want the quote unquote distortion anymore or all of it to be true. But I was more petrified of taking a step in a, any direction than I was dealing with the story. And so I stayed stuck for probably two, two, three years. And I've seen this come out 
because business was easy, right? Because I could really kind of be unattached. It was when it started sure. to get intrapersonally and I'd, I'd have men's coaches, right? Like I know you and, you know, I got Stephanos, I got Larry, I got everybody. Like I just pick up the phone and I started to catch myself years ago and I would always call them and I would ask them, how am I supposed to love my wife? How am I supposed mm. to be a father? Like how am I? And my biggest struggle, Ryan, was I got stuck in that purgatory of like, I don't want to be this way anymore, but I'm petrified to take a step forward because I don't know if it's the right direction. And I didn't have that self-confidence or, you know, kind of sovereignty because I was petrified of myself. So that's something that happened to me that I just thought was really important to share for people. I think a lot of people do that. I, I think the other way that that kind of comes to fruition for people is when they want to do something, but they say, well, I am not that. So for example, uh, maybe somebody wants to run a marathon and they say to themselves, I am not a runner. Mm-hmm. Well, do you run? Cause that's what runners do. <laughs> or, or, you know, I'm not a writer. Well, if you write, then you're a writer. Cause that's what writers do. They're defined by writing. So if you write, then you are a writer. Now there's varying degrees of totally. successfully writing and not. But but if you're writing, you're a writer. If you're running, you're a runner. But we limit ourselves and we say, well, I am not that I'm not a podcaster. I here's another one. I'm this is one that I used to fall into. I'm an introvert. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't why would you say that? Like, look, for me personally, I can gain a lot of satisfaction and comfort and fulfillment being alone and by myself. I don't need to be around a lot of people, but you're not going to hear me say I'm an introvert because then I'm limiting myself. And I realize that I actually need to push myself into conversations like this one, public settings, conferences, et cetera, et cetera, to grow my business and to achieve my objective. But if I tell myself I'm an introvert, what I'm basically saying is I can't do something else. I can't be something else. And that isn't true. Mm-hmm. That isn't true. Yeah. So and- we attach ourselves to these labels and it doesn't serve us. I love it. Well, it goes back to the whole thing. Like if you're going to ha- make up some bullshit, make it empowering. Like make, right. make it empowering. And you know what's funny is in the coaching world too, you know, I was, I was coaching one of my mastermind students the other day and they're like, George – like, what's the se- – oh, they asked me, what's the secret to closing high-ticket sales? And I was like, what's high-ticket? And they're like, what people have paid you? I was like, oh, well, you have to have enough confidence in the result to make up for their lack of confidence so they can borrow some of it. And they're like, mm. what? And they're like, how are you so certain that they're going to win? I'm like, the same way an Olympic coach is certain that their athlete can run their best game and has the potential to win. I'm unattached to whether they win or not, but I know that if I hold that and get them to feel it and believe it and hold that possibility that we're going to have a shift regardless of the income, it just so happens the income follows like email, right? Like when you go from not emailing and then I get you to love email, you're like, George, I have 700 responses. What am I supposed to do? I'm like, close them. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> that's what you said you wanted. Um, right. And I, and I just think it's really, uh, really important because I think it's the same thing. But at the end of the day, like, we have to self-create. And for me, and I'll own it, <clears throat> it wasn't that I didn't know what to do. 
I was afraid of standing in that stillness because for me, it's easy to hide in the distraction and the dopamine and the feedback for all the people, right? I have answers for everybody, right? Or I did, right? And I'm like, I can mm-hmm. always do the coaching and the strategy and the market. And I was like, but I would do it to the point where I avoided the edge of my self-relationship, right? Being in silence, being in stillness. Like, you know, you're a hunter, so like you have that. I spent my whole life running. And so there was always something for me to be doing, right? I was always leading Marines. I was always the first one there, the last one to leave. I would volunteer for duties. And everyone's like, you're the best Marine. I'm like, I'm scared to be alone. Uh-huh. Mm. Let's just call it what it really is. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I'd rather be on duty on Christmas Day than in my barracks alone to be with those thoughts. And so what I, what I love about that, and like for everybody like listening, like Ryan's a practitioner, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're a hunter, like you love – the craftsmanship, but like what I've been really focusing on is finding those edges and sharpening them. Like that's kind of been my trend for the last year in like seasons of like, okay, I'm really struggling with myself. And I was like, cool, let's go into a cabin for 24 hours with no phone. (laughs) And like, Mm. let's really find that edge and like, Hey, I'm really struggling being seen. I'm like, Hey, let's go live or record more podcasts. And so what I love about you that I I think is so, so powerful that I watch is I watch you find these pockets of edges and then you sharpen them, right? You sharpen your edge of like self-integrity, your level of like self-ownership and responsibility as a father, as a, I'm rebuilding a farm. I'm going to build a canoe. I'm going to go to the podcast. You never allow your commitments to wane, but it seems like you never allow yourself to atrophy either. You're always trying to find that next edge and that next edge. And I just wanted to applaud you for that. And thank you. Um, Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. For, for leading like that. And you know, one of those things, like, I feel like, would you feel, I don't want to say feel, I think for me, you know, one of the reasons like I do jujitsu is because I need something that helps me find my edge in different pockets. One of the reasons I have coaches is like, I need somebody to be honest with me and tell me like, Hey, there's a sharper edge for you, right? Like there's more range than you have. Right. When you, when you think about that, like, what do you think are some of the most important things that people can focus on when they're really increasing their capacity, right? Like finding those things, like being around people yeah. or going to roll when I don't want to. Cause like, man, I can't do another five, five minute rounds today. Like I just, I can't. Right. And then, you know, you're done and you're like, I got more left in me, but they always kind of help find that edge. And so like, what's your advice or like, how do you go about navigating those edges and how do you know which ones to sharpen? Well, so for me, I think I, I need to find places that I'm not the best at that thing. So again, I'm trying to be as, as humble as I can when I say this. When it comes to podcasting, I'm a good podcaster. Yep. And if I went to any podcast conference or thing, I would be at the top of the game. Yep. And I'm, I'm saying that with humility. We've earned that to be in that position. And, and people know what we're doing. They know our podcast. But when I go to jujitsu, I'm not at the top of the game. Like I'm not the top of the food chain. I'm down here and I actually need the same thing with hunting. I'm not at the the top of the food chain. I'm way down here. And I need that because that keeps me with not a couple of things, humility, which is very, very important. Right. But also it keeps me hungry because I don't like actually being down here. Like I don't like going to jujitsu and being the newest white belt. You know, I don't like going on the hunt and being the guy with the least amount of experience or the least amount of kills. Like I want to be, I'm ambitious. I want to be the best. And so if I, if I go into an environment where I don't know anything or I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, then it forces me because of my personality. It forces me to say, I'm not going to be doing this forever. Like I'm going to keep going. 
jujitsu, I would have given up long ago <laughs> if I wasn't, if I didn't care about improvement. And then the cool thing about improvement and being at the bottom is that there's a sense of pride and satisfaction that comes with getting better. Mm-hmm. If you're always at, if you're always in environments where you're up here at the top of the totem pole, like where's the room? Where's the pride in that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, cool. You're at the top. Now what? This goes back to what you said earlier uh, about, you know, you, you can't live on your past uh, results. My, one of my baseball coaches used to say, you're only as good as your last at bat. Yep. And I know men who are still talking about two decades later, their state championship football game and how awesome they were and how they dated, dated the head cheerleader and everything else. It's like, yep. okay, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, but it was awesome. Cool. What about today? Like, what did you do today? Yeah. Well, I didn't do anything. Well, then you need to put yourself in a challenging environment where you're not at the top of your game. It's going to hurt the ego. It's going to wound the pride. But there, there's hope and optimism in that because now you actually have room to grow and to get better. And that's that's amazing. That's inspiring. Dude, I, I love it. And your senior, your baseball coach, didn't he bench you your senior year too? He did in baseball. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did. And we still have a great relationship, but he benched me for some very valid reasons. And I thought I deserved the starting position. So I thought it was just a guarantee and I learned it wasn't. And that was a valuable lesson. I learned what, 21, 22 years ago now. Yeah. Didn't he say like he benched you cause you didn't practice in the off season, right? Like he, he- told me, he's like, you got to train in the off season. And I just, Dinked around, you know, I snowboarded and, and got drunk with my buddies and stuff in the off season while all my other friends were playing basketball. And he, he called me on, he called me on it. You know, he called my bluff. I love so it. I love it. And then I had a choice to make, even in that point, you know, he, he said, you have a choice to make, you know, you can stay with the team and quitting was, I don't, I mean, two de- over two decades later, I don't even remember that being an option for me. He says, you can, you can, you can quit or leave, or you can help the next guy. And through him and my mom, I decided, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to be the best teammate. It isn't as the starting catcher. I would love it to be, but it's not. And so I'm going to help this kid who's younger than me, who I was bitter, but I'm going to help him be the best catcher. And I took pride in that when he did well. And when we won, uh, I took pride in the fact that, you know, I helped him. I coached him on some of that stuff. So there's opportunities everywhere. Yeah, that's a that's a young lesson for some shadow work there, man. To get into like sucks, that, man. Sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I but to, then, yeah, look, go ahead. baseball, ba- the the lessons of the game itself, mm-hmm. the actual game itself, pale in comparison to the life lessons that I learned and that were sometimes forced upon me that I didn't want to learn as a 16, 17, 18 year old kid. <laughs> Totally, man. Like, I feel like I hid in the Marine Corps for 12 years, so I didn't have to learn lessons until I was ready to be an adult, right? And then, you know, families will do that and kicking and screaming in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, You know, it's interesting, too, is like, I wrote this down. Like, I I think that that's like how finding pockets of humility will create hunger. Like, I love that. And even to close and collapse it back down to the Donaher thing, like finding something to have meaning. And, And I see this all the time, right? Like you and I have many mutual friends that have had exits, right? And built companies. And I'm like, and they all share one thing in common. Uh, they get really unhappy and really depressed and have to go start something else because that the illusion of the finish line is such a dark trap for me. Like, I feel like that's the definition of hell is waking up and be like, I have everything like I've made it. And I'm like, then what's the point? Like, what's the point of the meaning? There is no, 
And that's what I like. I think for me, like I had to start to develop a healthy relationship with finish lines and I just had to remove them. And I was like, there is no finishing this game. Right. Like it's, right. it's my last at bat. It's my today. Cause I was that guy. I'm like, well, I wrote, you know, that book and I tied that world record. Oh, I'm telling you that because I'm afraid to go to the gym right now because I'm more committed to my dad bod than I am, you know, having a new story to tell. And, and it's, it's also like really empowering. And I, I look back and I think it's so powerful. So if you, if you were to go back 10 years and give yourself one piece of coaching, what would you give? Hmm. I'm asking this because somebody asked me this question the other day and it turned into an entire podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. I would say take more risk. I, I tend to be pretty, pretty uh, adverse to risk. I don't like taking a whole lot of risk. And so I played it safe and conservative, too conservative for too long. Uh, and, and I learned primarily through the business itself to, to take more risks and that it's not as risky as you think it is. This comes back to the cognitive <laughs> distortion thing. Yep. You know, you think, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put a deposit on this venue and, and run this event. What if nobody shows up? Well, okay. What if nobody shows up? You're not 10 grand or 20 grand. Yep. Okay. And then like you do it better next time and you make that $20,000 back. Like yep. I, I would, I would just say to take more risk, to travel, to explore, to say yes to everything I could and just, just throw it all out there. Cause as somebody who's young, you know, and I'm 40 now and I'm still young, like I can recover, you know, totally. unless I'm dead, I can recover. So yeah. I would say, cause you never know. Like we just moved my family out here to Maine. I know you guys moved to Montana. Yep. People are like, Oh, I, I could never, I will. You, you could. And, and people say, well, I have a job and I have responsibility. I have this. I, well, so did I, yeah. you don't think I had any of that stuff. You know, yeah. we had friends and, and we left the only house that, 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 my wife really knew her grand her grandfather built that home uh and and she's lived there her entire life and yet we we took a risk and it's paid off very well and if it didn't what's the worst we're cold for a couple of years in maine and then we move home and everything's fine <laughs> but like i can't like i i want to just pause for a second Th that hand single-handedly what you just said and the way that you encapsulated it will probably go down in my entire life's history as the reason that I'm so happy and so successful because I just went through the same thing. Like a lot of people don't know this. Like the first day I came to Montana was the day we drove over the state on the road trip to move here. Like hmm. I had two kids, one wife and three snakes in the car and we road tripped for four days. And my first day in Montana was the day that we drove over the border from Salmon, Idaho moving here. Awesome. And bro, awesome. like, I was like, I have to control everything, right? Who's at the door? Who's at the exit? What do they look like? Are they going to shoot me? That's the guy that looked like the guy that shot my friend in the face in front of me in Afghanistan. Like the hypervigilance, the PTSD, this illusion of like safety. And so one of my addictions in the early parts of my career was creating this illusion of comfort. So I never had to grow. And so like I told my wife, mm. like we built this massive house and she's like, yeah, we'll build it for a couple of years and then we'll flip it and move. And I said, yes. And in my brain, I'm like, we're never leaving. We're never mm. leaving. And then like, it became a source of tension five years later when she's like, we're still in the same house that was supposed to be temporary. I'm like, why would it be temporary? Let's just stay. Let's just stay. And so I I've gone through something similar and, and I think it's, I've seen this happen and I'm, I'm giving this like, I, by the way, like owning this, I'm really insecure on this podcast. I feel like I've talked so much, but Ryan, you bring out parts of me and I'm like, I got to say this. So thanks for <laughs> letting me talk on your interview you bet, and sharing it. That's good for everybody. 
But one of the things that like I realized is that it doesn't matter what the medium is. So moving or launching a podcast or emailing a guest or owning your story or a trauma response, I've had the same thing where the distortion is always 8,000% worse than the actual result. Of course. And I mean, it was from when I gave the first authentic keynote to when I was like, I pitched my first six figure deal. Like my first consulting client was men's health. Not many people know that. Like my first Mm. one was Maria Rodale and she's looking me dead in the eye and she's like, I'm going to bring you out. You're going to stay in my grandfather's house where he built the Rodale farm in like 1910. And she's like, so how much I, I about shit my pants drenched in sweat and I was like, how much to take you for three days and your entire team at Men's Health and Women's Health through something I've never taught before that I just promised you could give you a result? I look at Clay Hebert and he just nods at me like, like that's going to give me an intuition piece. And I just <sighs> threw a number out. And I think I said, uh, I said 15 grand. I said 15 grand, which was more than I made in my first three years of blogging. And I just had sure, it for sure. three days, right? And bro, I'm dead the one second between when i said it and her response felt like an eternity and she looked me dead in the eye maria rodale's only like five feet right i'm only five eight five seven okay i'm five seven um but i still felt up and she looks me dead in the eye within like two seconds she's like that's it and i was like uh uh for for the first day i was like oh yeah uh uh-huh and it's like 50 grand for three days and she looked at me and she's like are you okay and i was like i was like i just almost died saying that number to you like almost died <laughs> and she's like george we spend that in eight hours on advertising yeah yeah on one channel and i was like oh and it was so powerful though and like you said it earlier with the jordan peterson thing like I've I've developed this really healthy relationship with mortality, right, from stoicism and plant medicine and all of it. Um, and it's like, I'm going to die. Like, fact. Like, the end. Like, this might right. be the last thing that the world ever hears from me was the interview with you. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. So I'm going to tell everybody I'm really fucking insecure because I know how much I've been talking. I don't give a shit because I'm just excited. Right? Like, <laughs> le- letting that be. And, like, I gave a piece of coaching this morning. And they're like, so what would you say? I'm like, I've been asking myself one simple question. I was like, in this current moment, is this coaching moment, is this teaching moment, is this thing I'm doing a moment that I would be proud to have on my headstone? Mm, I like that. And I was like, and it's that simple for me. Like, I'm at the gym. And, like, I'm like, oh, I only have two sets left. And I was like, God, I'm exhausted. I was like, okay, do I want to put I quit the last two sets on my headstone? I was like, shit, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. (laughs) I'll do it. But I think it's just this really um, prevalent concept that I think just really being in this, letting the distortion live. Right. And, and I don't, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, And I really do ask long winded questions, but I, (laughs) the thing for me on the distortion is that I gave it so much power over me for so long. Right. Like I would live in it and I would believe it. And I was like, that is reality. That's not fake. And then I would give it power. But I also noticed that the moment I took the distortion out of my brain, it dissipated at a thousand percent. Meaning if I called you and I'm like, hey, Ryan, like I'm fucking petr. Holy shit. I'm really not scared. Okay. Thanks, man. I don't need anything else. Right. Or I wrote it down in a journal or my favorite one is that's why I went live all the time. I would go live and I'm like, I'm petrified to go live that nobody's going to watch this. And, you know, six and a half million views later, you're like, oh, 
So do right. you do you have any tools around that? Like, what do you do to collapse that? You know, that dissonance or that distortion. Do you journal? I know you have daily practices that you do, but anything in particular that you found that like when you meet that, like, I'm gonna reach out to fucking Tom Brady about having him on the podcast, right? And you're like, no. Oh man, I've had. So- Here's the deal. So that's a good one, actually, because I when I started my financial planning practice, I had this list of people I wanted to talk with, family members, acquaintances, people I knew, and some of them were very wealthy. And I put them on what I called my chicken list. And I had one experience experience in particular where I called this gentleman up and I said, hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in financial planning and uh, I would like to talk with you about what we do, because I think there's some solutions that we have that we can offer you. And he said, and I'll never forget. It. He said, Ryan. I wish you would have called me last week. I just hired a new financial advisor. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, shit. Like I was dreading. I put off that call for months. Yep. For months. And he said, you should have called me last week. I, I just hired, a, I would have hired you. And I'm like, ah, like, but it was such a good learning moment for me. You talk about, so, so, Hey, I'm petrified to get on stage. So, mm-hmm. so what? What does that have to do with anything? Yeah. You think you're the first person who's ever scared <laughs> to get on stage and, and talk to people? Oh, and by the way, the fact that you're scared, that's good. That means you care about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like we put so much emphasis and weight in our excuses and that's all they are. They're just excuses. So I learned another strategy too when I was in. So my background is actually retail management. I managed okay. uh, retail clothing stores. And, and I remember one of my trainers one time told me, uh, if you feel like that there might be an objection from one of your clients, just bring it up. Yep. Just bring it up. And and then the, the objection loses it and diminishes all its weight. So uh, I think one of the scenarios was <clears throat> I was, there was this woman who came in and she spent a lot of money in the store in the past. And, and I was nervous that she usually worked with somebody else, but that person wasn't there. And so there was just me and I'm like, well, this woman's going to be nervous. I'm a guy. She doesn't want to work with me. And I remember what my trainer said. She's like, just bring up the objection. So I walked up to this woman and I said, Hey, you know, I've, I've seen you in here before. We're glad you're back. Uh, I know you usually work with so-and-so she's not here today. Um, and I know, you know, I, I'm a guy, I'm fairly new, but I really think I can help you out. And I ended up working with her and she was a great client. And that's how I realized like, Oh, you just bring up the objection. And then, and then it's like dissipates. Yep. It's gone. Yeah. But everybody else hides it, right? Like hide it. Don't talk about it. Don't bring it. See <laughs> in the room, but don't talk about it. No, talk about it. Own it. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, even on stage, I would do this on stage. I would get up and say, hey, you guys, you know what? First and foremost, I, like I'm really excited to be here. But because I'm so excited to be here, I'm also very nervous. So I really appreciate your grace in hearing me present what I have to yeah. present to you. Yeah. And I've heard professional speakers who say, well, don't say that. I call bullshit. Yep. Like what a great way to resonate with your audience. Like talk about authenticity. You know, like everybody else has been in that boat. They all know what it feels like. They're going to afford you some grace. Yep. They're good. You're, you're tearing down walls in a presentation already. So don't hide the objections. Don't hide the things that you're afraid of. Don't, this goes back to what we were saying earlier. Don't, don't make them into cute little clever sayings like false evidence appearing real and all. <laughs> Like, just say, no, I'm scared as shit right now because I want this to go well. And what I have to share with you is important. And it's important to me. And I want it to resonate with you. That's noble. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's a good thing. And, feel- and everybody will acknowledge that and recognize it. You don't need to say, I'm not scared. I'm, 
because everybody will see right oh, through all of that. I feel like it's partly like it's the definition of humility in action. Like that's that's really, you know, what it is. And and like here's what's funny. You and I are the same. Like we share how we feel. Like I don't write keynotes. I have an intention and a takeaway, right? And then I kind of just like get them there. And literally I've given a lot of keynotes in my career and I had one keynote generate multiple seven figures in revenue. And it's the one that said, my whole talk mm -hmm. is shit. I can't give it to you because it doesn't align with what you've been asking me. Uh, so I'm just going to ask questions and, and answer them. And I'm petrified and like, sure enough, literally like within the next six months, like the most successful thing ever. And it happens every single time, every single time. And, and what I love and like <clears throat> the amount of full circle threads just in this conversation that all go back to like that self-awareness and owning your emotional body and being willing to check in and be super aware of where you are and how you're feeling. Like, oh, I set out to do this and it didn't work. Oh, I set out to give this authentic talk. It didn't work. Like make adjustments, own your truth, own the story. And like I'd say one of my biggest struggles as an entrepreneur for years <clears throat> Was this pretending to have it together or have it look a certain way? Because I was like, I got to control how they see it. And I was like, all I did was control how much money people couldn't pay me because people feel it mm. and they can tell you and they right. can have it. And it's, it's nuts. Everyone's like, George, how did you work with the Clippers? And I was like, I've, I've never, dude, I'll never, I've never fucking shared this, but you'll appreciate this. <laughs> I do not endorse the use of substances and blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. So I met <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on a flight with Mark Hughes, the assistant GM of the Clippers. We were flying home from Scotland together. We all sat next to each other in first class. So we start talking, and I was, I was coming back from a client trip who flew me to Scotland. And so we start talking, and for 10 hours, I talked their ears off about Instagram and social media marketing. And I asked their permission, and they were good for it. And then I'll never forget, I just felt so much rapport. I had a blue mohawk at the time. I was in pajama pants, covered in tattoos, in the front of this airplane. And Mark's like, bro, who are you? And I was like, it's a good question. I'm still trying to figure that one out. And I was like, hey you know what? We're kind of friends. I'm like, can I just come to a game and meet everybody and sit courtside? He's like, yeah, of course. Here's my number. And I was like, dope. So we get off the plane. Yeah. We become friends. And then he's like, hey, bring your wife. I'm like, dope. So Lindsay and I go and I decided to microdose some plant medicine. Um, and NBA players look like aliens uh, when you microdose plant medicine and they're already seven, four <laughs> and six, eight. And you're, yeah, you know, five, huge, seven. Right? And so Mark is 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and I'm 5'7", and so he's walking up the stairs, and I go to hug him, but I'm a little off kilter, and this is a fun date night, and I tripped and fell into his arms. And Mark's a huge dude. He's a former NBA player. So you have this 5'7", tattooed white dude at the first Clippers game, and Mark, the GM, hugging me and holding me in the stands, and I'm like, my head's on his chest. Like, if you're watching this, like, <laughs> the top of my head is under his chin. Like, he can snuggle me perfectly. And I look up at him with, like, my ear on his chest. And I'm like, man, I love you, Mark. And he's like, bro, are you good? And I'm like, yeah, man, I, uh, I'm on, yeah, I did this thing. And he's like, you're out of control. And it's funny because that moment is the moment that led to us working together interesting because we went to dinner and he's like man i gotta tell you i see so much bullshit people come in they promise the world he's like you just come oh, in yeah. at your, you just come in as yourself and tell me how you feel and he's like and you even snuggled me and mark's this giant black dude and i'm this short white Funny. dude like <laughs> and and it, and it actually turned into then i got to meet the you know the president and the owner and all the players and like had this relationship 
only because I was willing to just kind of be myself. And like, I don't endorse that, but I feel so validated, like hearing it. But if I, if I really pull the thread and look back, it always has been, it's just so much easier to share how I authentically feel in the moment. And then if I don't to clean it up immediately and it feels like the definition of freedom to me, like in life. I agree. You know, I, I, there's definitely something to be said for what you're talking about. I will, I will present a counter argument to that. And it's not even counter. It's just something to be aware is that we also have to remember to meet people where they are. Yes. And, and, and so a lot of the times people will present themselves to listeners or potential clients or whatever that relationship looks like. And, and they'll do it to grandstand. So like, I want to prop myself up, but I found that if I really just have a vested interest in what my audience or listeners or clients need from me, then I can present myself in a way that's still congruent with how I feel about myself. So there's still integrity there, but meet them in a place where they need to be met. Uh, And that's when you can merge the two being who you genuinely are, but also being in tune to what they need, then you can find exactly where to meet those people. Dude, I am so glad that you brought this up because I I think it's such an important thing because when, (laughs) when you're, sharing for confirmation it's not authenticity right like i I think that that's the biggest part so for years and i think this is important because entrepreneurs do this there's a way in which you can use your story as a protective mechanism you can use your quote-unquote authenticity to keep people at bay because if i tell you how i feel and how i share and i dump it on you in the beginning i'm creating a barrier from how i really feel which is scared and I think that this is a really important topic just to understand because the beingness is your authenticity, not the words that kind of come out, right? Now, and, and I'm so glad that you said this because it took me a long time as an entrepreneur, as a coach, consultant, to learn the difference between authenticity and intimacy. And mm-hmm. that was probably one of the biggest moments to my success to where it's like, you can ask me like, Hey George, how's it going? I'm like, Hey man, like kind of a rough morning. I'm feeling a little off, but you know, I got it dialed and you're like, you good. I'm like, yeah, just some stuff at home and cool. And then if I feel so obliged, I can share deeper. But if you're like, Hey George, how's it going? I'm like, Oh, well my wife left me. Cause this happened. Like you didn't ask for that. Right. And it's almost like, Hey, let me dump it all on you. So right, like you can right. let me know. And so I'm glad that you brought that up though, because I think in today's day and age, especially marketing and entrepreneurship and customers and listeners and colleagues and everything, I think the most important thing is the come from. Like, is the come from of this, I'm compensating out of insecurity or I'm sharing to be secure and authentic with kind of who I am. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. That's a- And, and not even that, not even sharing to be secure and authentic, but sharing to serve you. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Like, uh, why, why are you sharing that? I'm sharing that because I want you to, and, and I'll say that, like, I'll, I'll show uh, on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, like people, like people that have criticized my work and I'll, and I'll bring it up and, and I'll share my perspective on it. And people will say, well, you know, like just ignore them and you're just wasting your time. Bro, I'm not doing that for those people. <laughs> I'm doing it for you yep. because I want you to see that there's going to be assholes that are going to criticize you and that it's okay and you need to hear the message. I'm not doing it for the guy who's hating on me. I'm doing it so that you can see how to have the right mindset in dealing with these types of people. Oh, dude, but I'm it right. all comes from a position of service. 
Uh, yeah, the compromise. I love it. I mean, like, I could, we could, <laughs> we'll do round two because we could do this for, I could do this for like 10 hours with you um, in what those are. But I, I think it's so huge on that, like, you know, Maya Angela, like, is what I'm about to do going to improve upon the silence. And I think that that's a huge mm. place to be from in that come from. And, and I can only share from experience that, like, when I say now, like, when I'm authentic, I'm not verbally vomiting or diarying on everybody who comes into my play. It's like if it's invited or it's feeling like it's there, my intuition's like this is what the conversation's calling for or they asked, right? Or right. for me, it's serving me as a lesson of humility. Like I, my favorite hack when people like you're ever at speaking coaching, I'm like, yeah, my wife, she told me to be honest. It works every single time. <laughs> and like it actually – funny story one of the keynotes i was drenched in sweat i was wear hoodies when i keynote pink shoes and a hoodie and i was drenched in sweat and i was like five minutes in i'm like all right guys listen like if you smell me i apologize like i'm already drenched one of the guys in the front row owned an anti-sweat undershirt company with like colloidal silver and so the guy literally in the middle of my keynote reaches down into his bag and he's like what are you like a large i'm like yeah and he throws it to me on stage really that's cool i stopped the keynote I took my hoodie off. I took my shirt off. I put that on, and then I finished the keynote in his colloidal silver antiperspiration shirt. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, it's just really funny. And I, I, what I also love too is the moments that happen when you show up like that, like when you really right. just kind of show up. Right. It creates these pockets of possibility. So okay, yeah, you tear down these barriers for sure. Couple easy ones for you. What are you currently reading? Oh man, I read. I I just finished up uh, Winning by Tim Grover because yep, we had I him on the podcast, that. so I got through part of it. So uh, just finished that up, and then man, I just got a couple of new books that are on my nightstand. What I read so many books because mostly it comes down to who's going to be on the podcast. Yeah, like we've got Matthew McConaughey coming on, so yep. his book uh, should be here. James Altucher is coming on, so I got his book on its way. So, yeah, it really comes down to who's on the podcast because I want to yeah. be well-versed in research for these guys. But, yeah, I read that. Um, Jack Carr's new book uh, from his James Reese series, The Devil's Hand, uh, just finishing that up. But I'm usually reading about three or four books at a time. So. I love it. But yeah, those dude, are the two I'm saying right now. Dude, Matt's book is hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, who did you say? Oh, McConaughey. Oh, McConaughey? It's so, yeah, 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 yeah. It's so good. I'm excited to read it. Uh, yeah, I read it, it and then I had to listen to it because he orates it. And when he tells it, it, it just gives it a whole different level of meaning. You'll see what Is I'm that right? You'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's really really good. It's really really good. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I loved it. And his interview with Larry was dope too. I'm excited to hear yours as well. It's it's kind of awesome. Um, okay. Uh, so that was the co- what you're currently reading. Is there any like business book? that you've always kind of gone back to that's kind of been like your gospel or your Bible. Like I know you're in press field stuff and things like that, but is there a book that you always kind yeah. of default as your recommendation? Uh, that, I mean, Steve, excuse me, Stephen Pressfield's work is good. The, uh, the, the war of art is really good. Of course, that's his book. Yeah. Um, as a man thinketh I love is really good. Uh, man's search for meaning is really good. That. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the one thing by Gary Keller is really good. I like that book a lot. Uh, and then there's another not business related book that I really like on mental fortitude and then just perspective on grit and perseverance called endurance. It's, uh, Ernest Shackleton's ill-fated venture across the Antarctic by Alfred Lansing. So it's called endurance by Alfred Lansing. I love it. Uh, those are my go-tos. I love it. 
I love it. Yeah, those are those are really really good. When you said as a man, thank you. So I was like, oh, here comes Victor Frankel. Like my brain went to man's search for meaning. I literally, yeah. I, I I think I listen to that once a month, probably. Like, Is that right? Yeah. I I listen to that when I work out. Like those are the things I listen to when I work out. Like when I'm at the gym. And there's I'm another. Like, there's another good book that I just uh, read by. Uh, pa- Paulo Coelho, I think is the name, the alchemist, the uh, guy yep. who wrote the alchemist. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he wrote another one just recently that it's like a very, very quick read, but it's very interesting. It's called the archer. Okay. Um, I was in the airport and I saw it and I'm into archery. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. So I bought it and I read it. It's like, it'll take you 20, 30 minutes to read, but I it's got that. a really, a lot of cool little parallels about the bow and what the bow represents and the path of the arrow and the target. It's, it's good. So mm. I love it. Yeah. If I see something in an airport, I usually pick it up and yeah, I I got a lot of books. No, I love it. It, it, Nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Uh, Absolute favorite food. (laughs) Uh, I mean, look, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty simple guy. I just (laughs) give me a good steak. I'm good to go. Okay. Okay. So favorite kind of steak. I like game. I like wild game, you know, elk elk is delicious. Venison. Um, when I moved here to Maine, I had neighbors who wanted to introduce us in the neighborhood and they brought moose, moose. and bear meat to us. So this is all stuff that I hadn't tried before, but yeah, wild game on the Traeger, man, you can't beat it. I love it, man. I love it. Favorite cut of steak. Um, I usually go with a, a filet or a ribeye. I think would probably I'm be a, the, the I'm, couple of, I'm uh, a, bo- a bone in ribeye guy. I need the fat. Are you? Yeah. 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 I like the rib. I like a ribeye. Bone sure. and ribeye, like a bison tomahawk too. Ooh, there you yeah, go, buddy. Yeah. The bison Can't refuge is like right up the street from us too. It's kind of perfect. I, I by the way, I see about a hundred elk every two days. Just for the record. <clears throat> You need to get yourself a tag and get after it. I know. I know. Well, like between you and Craig and everybody else, I was like, you guys just need to come out here. Like, just just come. I like, would love to. I drive. I would up. love to. I did I, an elk hunt in Colorado last year, unsuccessful, but still a great time. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, man, I'm excited. We'll do another podcast about all of that stuff for sure. And then I have one. Yeah. One final question. Oh, by the way, like everybody, the podcast is Order of Man buys book sovereignty. Go to the website, Order of Man. Is there anywhere that I missed, like, the best place to find you? I completely tanked on doing that earlier. No, that's that's it. The other thing is you helped me with, with is uh, orderofman.com slash battle ready. So I would definitely check that out as well because that's a program that's going to walk you through how to do more in the next, you know, 12, 12 weeks and maybe – traditionally would take you 12 months. I love it. Yeah. I love it too. And like for anybody listening, male, female, the work matters regardless of your sex, the principles, of course, putting them into practice. Like one of my favorite things to do is like, I read books made and coaching for the opposite sex because it changes my perspective and it gives me the tools and the principles to kind of help embody it. So I, I absolutely love it. And then you'll be happy to know because Jesse came to my event, but a few people were at my event floating around in order of man gear and uh, sovereignty. I saw three copies nice. of it that Jesse didn't bring. And I was like, yeah. Oh, is that right? Yep. Awesome. That's what I like to see. I know. It was <laughs> it, it was good. And I was like, oh, I love it. And what's even funny is I went, by the way, I was bored earlier this morning. I went to your Instagram and I love that the axes on your hat right now were actually hung up above a metal desk that you started recording a podcast in like six years ago. Like, your oh, first yeah. office looked like a dungeon and it was like grimy yeah. and gritty and I kind of love it. And there's that, that first office was actually my wife's grandfather's office that he ran his uh his heating and air and plumbing company out of. In fact, I still even in May, 
I still have, I don't know if you, you can see it or not, but I still have the desk. That's oh, the yeah. desk, yeah, the yeah, metal yeah. desk. Yeah. That's his desk right there. So, and then I've got some of his old tools and things behind me still. And that's awesome. Some man. animals I've killed and things like that. So, yeah. That's awesome. The legacy. All right. So I always end with one question. Uh, one question and, and I'm, I'm really excited for this one for you. So, you know, I, let's assume everybody who listened to this podcast got men in black and forgot everything that they heard, but what you're about to share is going to tattoo wisdom onto their soul, like permanent. If you could tattoo one piece of advice, one piece of wisdom, and it can be a sentence, a paragraph or a diatribe on somebody's soul that they'll take forth with them for the rest of their life. What would that wisdom be? It would be plan every day. Mm. That's what it would be, plan every day. It's amazing to me how many men and women have no idea what they're going to do from day to day. They don't carve any time out in the morning to think about, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to get accomplished? What's the priority? What's not a priority? If I were to accomplish you know, one thing, to go back to Gary Keller's concept, you know, what, what would that one thing be that would still make this day a success? But I literally do that every single morning. I've got my planner right here where I write down, okay, I've got to do this. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend time with my kids. I plan it all out. And I'm very deliberate and intentional about the way that I go about doing it. If there was a, a, a part B to that lesson, it would be to do a recap at the end of every day. So you start your day with a plan and then you end it by actually going and looking at what you accomplished and what you didn't accomplish and then rolling it over the next day. So it makes your next morning strategy that much more effective i love it i i said this the other day that someone's like what do you think the secrets to success are i'm like i'll give you the answer i was like guaranteed success stillness self-care and self-reflection guaranteed mm. guaranteed path to success if i boiled entrepreneurship down and i'm glad that you said it because i'll, I'll even share and i normally don't share for this but like what you said is so true like for years in my life, like we could work out a ton and I could just easily lose weight or I could eat paleo. Right. And I'm not young anymore. Right. Like I'm young, but I'm not, yes. like our bodies have been yes. there a lot. And it's so nuts. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm not losing weight. I'm not here. And I was like, of course I'm not, I'm not planning it. I'm not measuring it. I'm not just being intentional about it. And I started and there was like three days of a little resistance. And now it's like so easy, but like all my meals are done for the day and my workouts are done and where I spend my time and when I record my podcast and it's like, Life has never been so easy as with just validating what you just said of like, hey, what did I plan on doing today? How did it go? What am I going to do different tomorrow? What's my plan tomorrow? And kind of going. And it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Ambiguity is the secret success killer. So we got to get rid of it, man. I just think we overestimate our abilities most of the time yeah. or our productivity. You know, we, we think that we're better and more effective and, and more productive than we actually are. But if you're actually measuring it, quantifying it, looking at it, you realize I'm not as good as I think I am, but I can get better and I can improve. But you have to measure it. In fact, in this planner that we have that I use, the first thing in there is this quote, that which is measured improves. I don't know. If you oh, yeah, that. I can see. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. So that which is measured improves. So if you want to get better, like you're saying, then measure it and then you can create the strategy to improve. Oh man. I love it. You game to do a round two in the future. I'll say on air. I got to get you back for a round two. Oh, of course. Yeah. Anytime, man. Of course. Cool. Absolutely. All right. So for everybody listening, um, I, I'm going to have to listen to this episode or actually I'll just have the team transcribe it and send me the notes so I can read it. But there were some takeaways that I'm going to add uh, into this one. And, and I, 
I just thank you for being here. Like I feel validated, but I also feel really inspired and motivated right now. And watching your example and being a part of your world and watching the difference you make, it's just an absolute honor and a gift. And so thank you for doing the work that you do. Uh, and for everybody listening, thank you, brother. I appreciate yeah, it. of course, man, it's, it's, it's an absolute honor. Uh, and I actually, <laughs> what's funny is not even planned. I see it. It's the Patriarch shirt. I saw, uh, yeah. I saw just the top of it. I'm like, I think I need to get him because we've got new shirts. And yeah. Stuff. I'm like, offline, but I'm going to get you some new merch. I have deadlift day when we're done here. And I was like, Oh, gym clothes. And I like, didn't even, I grow your shirt on and then Sharfin's hoodie. I'm like, all my clothing um, comes from all my friends. Like they just show up yeah, in my house. Yeah. That's my, that's my whole wardrobe. But for everybody listening, I'll get you some new stuff sent to you. I love it. Yeah. I'll get you the new address for everybody listening. I highly, highly recommend checking out Ryan's podcast. If I have to give a specific, uh, go listen to Kyle Carpenter's episode. That man is an absolute legend and, uh, you know, an to him. and you have incredible episodes, the depth, the level, the effort that you put into them. And I think everybody can benefit from it. So everybody listening, go check out order of man. Uh, if you want to see examples of really good emails and how they work, go get the battle ready plan. Uh, check out the podcast, get the book sovereignty, buy it for yourself, your husbands, your men, your whatever, or give it out as gifts. And then, uh, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for the new book for the new book deal. Yeah. And so we know what that is. We will. Well, let, as, as details emerge, I will let everybody know. We'll have Appreciate you, it, brother. Thanks we'll for the have, opportunity, man. Yeah, dude, of course. Just hang around for two seconds. So everybody, that was another episode of the Mind of George show. Uh, I was going to do reflections and notes, but I feel like my only note is go listen again, take notes. And I will say the biggest takeaway would be pick something plan it into your day and at the end of the day reflect on it measure against it and plan something again because action is going to be your secret weapon and inaction stagnation and disconnection with a whole lot of cognitive distortion will be a guaranteed path to success so make up some empowering bullshit in your head that gets you into movement and momentum and let the negativity go but i'm going to shut up now because i've been bumping my gums enough for an episode that i interviewed somebody else on but i'm here for it it's all good so remember i will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. but either way it's time to cue the outro Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.